When the goblins, zombies, and clowns have had their Halloween fill, a piercing November wind begins to howl down the mighty Sayota. Superheroes, clad this time in black and gold, now walk those same trick-or-treat streets. And they don't say please, and they don't say thank you. These men plunge their hands into the candy bowl of victory like an army of third graders on a corn syrup bender. Atlanta, these black and gold wrapped confections don't come in fun size. Go ahead, dig in, but don't cry to your mama later about your wrenching guts. Thanks so much to our crack production staff for coming up with the <laughs> playoff-worthy open. To your Mass Report podcast, we are at Saucy Brewworks talking in person for the first time in years about crew playoff soccer. Yeah. When you think about it, the last time we had these discussions during the playoffs was during the pandemic. Oh, yeah. So it's good to be face-to-face here at Saucy think, Brewworks. Think about this real quick. Huh? The last time they played in a playoff game was Aiden Morris starting an MLS Cup mm-hmm. in his first playoff game, right? He didn't pl- even play in the, the first rest of the playoffs? MLS start. Yeah. So that's, that's how long ago that was. Now he's a regular in the midfield and not a guy I think you'll be worried about as much as maybe you were before that game. No, he played fine. I think he played, yeah. as I recall, he played great. Like and subscribe to Massport Podcast. We are at Saucy Brewer Works here. Bart is here. How's Luca? Hey, he's doing pretty well. He's doing pretty well. He's, uh, I don't know if he's going to be able to stay up for, for the game uh, Wednesday, but uh, we, we, we've had him try to watch some of hey, them. Hey, if least. you keep him awake for the whole game, he'll sleep through the night. That you'd think, but that has not I been my experience doesn't, thus doesn't, far. No, I, I understand. I remember those days. Brett is here, Murph Sears, Sam behind the controls. My name is Brian. Thank you so much for checking us out as we get ready for Wednesday night at lower.com. Game one of a best of three with Atlanta United. It should be an entertaining series. Uh, Wilfried Nazi meeting with the media. Was it today or yesterday? He spoke today. Um, He, along with a couple players, spoke today. You can find those videos on Mass Report's YouTube page. Um, But, yes, he did his... What do they call that? Uh, match, match day, day minus, minus two. two. Yes, uh, press match conference. Match day minus two. Today ahead of Media this. availability. We don't call it a press conference either for <laughs> whatever. whatever reason. That's stupid. It's a press conference. But, uh, yeah, had some interesting things to say that I just noted. Um, Brett, I want to ask you about this first one. He was talking about you know, both teams obviously have their identity and they want to be able to play that the way that they want to play, and I think we all know that. But he talked about... Being able to change if we need to change during the game. We talked about, like, 10 minutes in, you know, if they have to alter something, being able to do that within their identity. Curious, just from your perspective, knowing Atlanta, what might be some of those tactical tweaks that happen in-game for this team? Well, it's going to be kind of weird because we don't exactly know the lineup that Atlanta is going to roll out in some ways. And so that... Those question marks are are a factor in terms of the game plan. And so what 
what it looks like in the first 10 minutes is going to be kind of a feeling out process. I would expect it to be a little odd uh, in some ways, uh, you know, in the early going of the game. But I think the biggest thing is when what they're looking at in those first five or 10 is how are you looking to build? What shape are you building out of? And then what what uh, kind of shape are you defending out of? And how those kind of two, two, two things, are they different? You know, is someone kind of roving a little bit in terms of um, you know, maybe being a midfield player that's attacking out of the midfield block, but defending in the fight, you know, uh, as a, kind of like dropping back and making like a back four or back five, that kind of that kind of stuff. Um, and so that would be the biggest thing I think that he's probably referencing. Um, and then I also think they're probably wondering a little bit. I, I think the biggest question mark for me is like, where does Brooks Lennon play? Um, you know, if Brooks Lennon is playing defensive midfielder like we've seen him a couple different times this year uh, especially as of late that probably changes how you view um, your wingbacks and what uh, especially what um, the left wingback for the crew whoever that might be attacks the right side if Brooks Lennon is playing right wingback it's a totally different thing so it's probably that feeling out process in terms of the personnel and how that what, uh, what or who Atlanta rolls out and how they roll them out yeah, I think this, just in general, and we'll get into it more, but the, the tactical battle in these two, three games, whatever it ends up being from two teams, and we talked about it last week a little bit, that just want to attack and want the ball. And I think a lot of times in the playoffs you get you know, a team that wants the ball that's often the higher-seeded team and the other team more willing to sit back and yeah, not want the ball. That's not going to be the case um, in this. Another interesting thing I thought from Wilfred Nancy is – not a believer in practicing penalty kicks before postseason games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that caught me off guard when he first said it, but then he pointed out that you know, he's done it in the past where you, know, you blast music while they take penalty kicks in practice or whatever, but you can't create that pressure, mm-hmm. right, of the, the in-game penalty kick shootout type situation. And that you know, he trusts basically the players to step yeah. up there and, and make the penalty kicks and I don't know. I'm curious your guys' thoughts on on that. I, I, I'm, I'm for it. Uh, I think, again, you know, you, you've only got a finite amount of time sure. for training, right? And I think, you know, PKs, I almost look at it. We used, talked about this before the game, doing a, a basketball analogy. Um, uh, you, you don't spend time during the practice for guys to practice their free throws. That should be something that you are working on. Sure. And it is such it's such a mental thing, just like free throws are, you know, to an extent. You want to have it, you know, that muscle memory. But that muscle memory doesn't really matter if, you know, you're in, a, you know, a big college basketball game uh, or, or something like that. And this, this thing. So, you know, players, I think that falls down on the players. And I would much rather, um, because penalties still comes down to, a crapshoot, 50, you know, a coin flip. And so I would much rather that Wolf Reed spends this finite amount of time making sure this team gets the result in 90 minutes than having to count on winning in a crapshoot. That said, I think he knows exactly who he wants on the oh, field. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think that I don't think that is an issue at all. Um, I do think it's and we touched on this a little bit last week, but just, you know, if you get down to the 80th minute or so games tied are you making subs to try and avoid penalty kicks are you making subs with penalty kicks in mind 
you know, takers. Mm-hmm. I, we talked about this after the Minnesota game and some of the changes he made. I think Darlington came off um, mm-hmm. in that game, like a guy that I would think would take a penalty kick. Um, you know, and obviously there's other things that play a part in that. With Molino came fatigue. on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Brett is convinced <laughs> that Kevin Molino is going to score a huge goal in the in the playoff run, but we'll get to that. Um, so, it, I, you know. Look, let's all hope. I hate penalty kick shootouts mm-hmm. when my team is involved. If, I think it's fun the other way around, but uh, I just I don't like that that's the way that these games are going to end. Hate and it. let's just hope that they can avoid that and, and get the results in regulation. Well, I, I would think that just guessing that you would want to play to win in regulation at home, and, or I, I mean on the road, at home, you're maybe feeling a bit more comfortable with penalties, but really you're not comfortable with it wherever you're playing right. on any surface on any planet. I like Cruz, you know, odds of penalties in Atlanta. So bringing on a brief history yeah. of playoff games well, and penalties true. in Atlanta, it's gone pretty well. That's true. <laughs> uh, the uh, the last thing from his, and it's, it was a 20-minute press conference. He touched on a number of different things. Not press conference, sorry, media availability. There were words <laughs> on mine, for yeah. the record. Um, it would be less of a press conference if they did it the old-fashioned way where we stood around talking to Greg or Caleb or whoever <laughs> as opposed to actually the sitting old, in a room. actually be an availability. The OG, yes. whatever that, uh, whatever that uh, indoor fields place was up in oh, the yes, center. Yes. That, those those media super availability. Kick? Super yeah, kick, super yes. kick. Oh, my um, gosh. But Wilfried said, and I quote, we are ready for the playoffs. But then he went on to talk about how he can't know. He has an idea, but he can't know how guys are going to react in these scenarios because this is his first time with the team. This is a lot of these guys' first time doing it. Some guys at all in the case of, uh, you know, Cucho Hernandez or guys like that who just haven't been in MLS Cup playoffs before. Some of the guys have done it before for other teams, but not with this group. And so he talked about the mentality that guys need to have in the playoffs. And, you know, he thinks he knows how guys will handle these pressure situations, but you just haven't, you haven't been in it. The insane thing to think about is that one of the guys in the starting 11 who will know what that feels like intimately is Aiden Morris. As young as he is, he was on the yep. big stage three years ago. Mm-hmm. So having that, uh, calming influence in the midfield and obviously with partnered with Darlington Nagby who's been there and done that you feel really good about those two guys yeah I was gonna say that's you mentioned Darlington Nagby I mean I don't have any issues I don't think there will be any issues with Aiden but I mean Darlington has what he's won three MLS Cups but didn't play yeah Yeah. and so you know you need somebody who you can trust in those moments I think that is for sure the guy and then you imagine what what the rest of the guys will be like. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it is different. I mean, we, you know, you've seen, look at a team, and I think we'll get into some of the playoff results later, but, like, look at a St. Louis just last night. I mean, a mm. lot of those guys aren't, you know, hadn't done this before. Got I mean, worked. Yeah, yeah, 4-1 to Kansas City at home. Um, I was, I have family in St. Louis, and I'm texting my two cousins about this game, and they're just like, devastated and they're like this isn't how this is supposed to go and i'm like welcome to the mls cup playoffs guys uh yeah. but uh yeah I, I just think you don't know and i think it's a very valid point from him and he's a guy who's always been very candid about that stuff right he doesn't want to put out there something that isn't isn't going to be the case like i'm super confident in these guys and then you go out and you poop the bed on on wednesday night 
I don't think that's going to be a problem, but I, I think he's just very honest about, like, he could have just said, yeah, I have the utmost confidence, but instead he was like, I think I know, but we, we're going to have to see. Mm-hmm. So you talked about his view on penalty kicks. Uh, the thing that we need to remember about these matches, and it speaks to what happened to St. Louis last night, losing 4-1, to one. at some point you, you pack your bags and you prepare for the next game. During mm-hmm. this game, if you're losing by a lot, at, at some point you just cut your losses. This is not an aggregate situation. Yep. It's simply winning games. doesn't matter whether you win them one nothing or 6 to nothing. So uh, at what point do you think either one of these clubs will decide, if it comes down to that, that, hey, it ain't happening tonight, let's, let's keep our guys healthy and prepare for the next one? I think Atlanta probably, you know, is willing to pull the trigger on that faster than, you know, the crew would be. Um, you know, crew, you really do not want to give up. You, I don't think there's any scenario where you want to be, you know, losing a game at home in the playoffs. There's no no league where that you want that. Atlanta, um, and I think we'll talk about it a little bit more, but, you know, they're without Almada in this game. Um, and so if uh, I think they're, you know, kind of, while they're not expecting or pre- I think they're prepared to go home potentially down one nothing. Just you take an MVP candidate out for any team um, in a playoff, you know, scenario on the road, you know, it's going to be tough sledding. So I think they'd be willing if, if I, if I'm certainly a uh, uh, Pineda over there, I'm willing to pull the rip cord a little bit faster than I think Wilfried Nancy would be. Um, well, you touched on Almeida who is going to miss this game because of a red card that was issued to him on decision day against Cincinnati. Brett, how does stupid red card? Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was a, it's a, it's a, it's a, if you're an Atlanta fan, it's a miracle you're getting him for the second game. Yeah, yeah. Because I said this on the pod, yeah. the, the previous pod. If this happened in July, homeboy's missing like mm-hmm. two weeks and probably two or three games. And the fact that he's coming back for the second leg of this one is I, Atlanta doesn't get to complain about anything for the next 12 months. And you know they won't. Um, <laughs> because they, like it was – Violent conduct off the ball. It, it's it's a miracle they're they're getting him um, in a lot of ways. So, so very in game in one without him, how do you see them approaching this game on the road? Well, I, they, they're always a bit of a transition team anyway, and and, and some of the magic that they have. Uh, obviously they lose 100% of it without him on the field. And so I think that's part of what we talked about right off the bat in terms of the feeling out process. Mm-hmm. Who plays in his position? Do they even abandon it? Does Caleb Wiley get pushed up uh, the field a little bit more? Do they bring Brooks Lennon into the defensive midfield to push some other guys up the field? Lubinice, does he does he come in from his winger position to play the 10, which is mm-hmm. something that he did over in Europe? I don't know. Um, it's going to be a little bit – there's a little bit of a chaos factor with that that I actually think is kind of an advantage to Atlanta relative to what mm-hmm. we would pretty much have a set-in-stone, kind of set-in-sharpie lineup if, you know, Almada was going to be in the group. But, um, you know, I think I'm a big believer in the in the playoffs. I, I there, This is a two-part kind of thing. I'm a big believer in the MLS Cup playoffs that your strengths – have a tendency to to kind of um, teams that have very strong attributes have a tendency to fall back on those in a pretty emphatic way. If you have a lot of pretty massive flaws as well, the same thing mm-hmm. happens. Okay, and there's there's some stuff with Atlanta that, especially in the back end, in terms of them leaking goals and stuff, that I, I could see 
that being a pretty significant issue for them come postseason. Uh, especially with the way the crew plays and the dominating mm-hmm. the ball and the, the kind of the leveraging the and, and increasing the pressure as the game goes on, which is what we've seen them do for the better part of, of a couple of months now. Uh, that I think it's something that if I, I think if you're you know, Atlanta's coaching staff, you're looking at this game like probably trying to get out of it healthy. You're going to try and keep as fresh legs as you possibly can. And it doesn't matter if you get smashed for zero because of how stupid this playoff format is that that essentially we're not emphasizing victories maybe beyond more than what we should so um be very it's going to be fascinating to kind of see how that that chess match works out a little bit uh because you know they're 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 missing the engine of their entire team right now I want to come back to the defense so mark that down Brian that we should talk about both teams defenses here because I think that could be key, but uh, I wanted to read uh, the quote from Pineda uh, today. He spoke with reporters about not having Almeida. It's really hard to replicate exactly the quality that Tiago has, so we have to rely more on the team, on playing as a team. It changes the game plan, how we press, how we occupy the spaces, how we're going to create the gaps that we normally try to create, and the positional shapes. Whoever's going to replace him or play in that certain role, we have to be more specific in the ways, the patterns we have to create. The style won't change, but I would say that, yes, the structure or the way that we're getting the patterns is going to change for sure. And the, the pressing is going to be real funky for them, too, because the the thing about that he brings that I don't think the guys who would potentially replace him um, kind of don't have is, is the, the running, right, and the, and the willingness to run. Um, it's almost like a, a Lucas versus Diego Rossi, Diego Rossi right, Rossi. It's yeah. a, in, in terms of kind of their – you know, kind of differentiating, differentiating characteristics. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, I think I could, I could totally see them just trying to survive in this game in some mm-hmm. ways. And, and then they'd be like, okay, we're going to try and hit you on the counter. And then we're going to try and, you know, get a foul or a corner kick and serve one up on the miles forehead, mm-hmm. just like they did when we, the, the most recent time that we mm-hmm. saw them. So the, the, the other thing too, that I think is a factor in this, not a ton of playoff experience in that Atlanta team. Yeah. If you given given the, the the new signings that they have, obviously there's some Champions League experience mm-hmm. there and some European like high level European uh, you know experience, but there isn't a ton of MLS postseason experience in that group. Gonzalo obviously has a ton during his time in Seattle, mm-hmm. you know, being an assistant there. But like, there's also something to that as well. It's one of the reasons why I always felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, why Seattle always seems to kind of be successful come, you know, fall. Why the Revs always, you know, were able to make something happen. Philly always seemed to be able to find some footing if they didn't have any. Uh, there's something to that tangible experience that I think really matters. And there's not a ton of that over in Atlanta right now. Mm-hmm. You made reference to wanting to talk about the defense. Yeah. This has been a huge problem for Atlanta all season. Their goal surrendered numbers are with the bottom feeders in the East, teams that didn't make the playoffs. Uh, you can't fix that in a few days. You wouldn't think so. Um, and let's not, you know, not that the crew have been that bad, but, I mean, 46 goals against. It was better here towards the end of the season. Um, but we certainly know, you know, you can think of, 
that Orlando game. Um, There's been games where they've just inexplicably given up goals. For me, that's what this comes down to. I think both teams are going to score some goals in this. It's who can, you know, to, to use a term from other sports, get the stops that you need, right? Like, you make the plays defensively. I mean, this may be the highest score. Well, there's been a lot of high-scoring games already, yeah. so maybe not. But in my mind, this is going to be a higher-scoring series than maybe some of the other ones. And I think the team that figures out a way to just be solid defensively at the most or at the at the least um, is probably the one that comes out on top because there are so many offensive weapons. And I do think Rudy Camacho could be big mm-hmm. for this team because I do think he has been a steadying presence as like an actual center back. You know, you've got a, a bigger guy in there who's comfortable in the system. You've been able to kind and of And who's get, had some post, a yes, relative right. amount of postseason yeah, success yeah, exactly. with Wilfried Nancy. Yeah, so, you know, it, Steven Marrera and Sean Zawatsky, when they were in there, were, were solid, but mm-hmm. they're not those true center backs. So you've kind of gotten your mix here with Camacho, who has the size and the center back experience of like a Milos Degenek, but able to play out of the back. So I think that I, I just think this def- whichever team's defense, like I said, it can can make its impact felt the most is probably the team that advances. And I just want to, you know, make one point about Atlanta's defense, which, again, I you know don't think is strong. But I think it's one of those things that's also skewed when we're talking about goal differential, especially there's a six one loss there with a what, 17 year old kid playing goal. And, um, uh, uh, you know, a whole bunch of guys that were not first team players against crew here in uh, uh, at lower dot com field that plays a, you know, big, big role in that. Because um, uh, uh, when you take that, I look the other way. They are also they are one goal behind crew when it comes to goal score. This is yeah. a team that, you know, is going to be without Diego Almada in that first game, but they can still score the ball. They gave up three or more goals. I'm, I'm counting through their schedule here. Mm-hmm. I'm at six already. Uh, yeah, six times this season. There and that co- includes the, the crew game. There mm-hmm. were a couple times this year, and I and to be fair, I haven't watched their the entirety of their season, but there were a couple times where it felt like one goal turned into three really yeah. quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and part of that, it, I think, for me, was the fact that they felt like they had to win games by scoring three or more as opposed mm-hmm. to trying to just keep one out. Um, and then also, I, there's there's been some some odd uh, selection choices and some mm-hmm. wild personnel stuff that Pineda has done over the course of the year that I think has created a little bit of turmoil. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, but I, I'm, I'm right there with you, Bart. I think, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, that you know, your strengths have a tendency to get kind of accentuated or emphasized. Your weaknesses also, I think, at, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, in the same kind of, at the same kind of level or maybe percentage. And... I think there's a there's a decent relative relatively decent chance of like some chaos in mm-hmm. in these couple of games and especially given how chaotic both teams' defenses can be and we've and we've seen that from mm-hmm. the crew and certainly Atlanta's done that as well and like like we said numerous times numerous times throughout the year on this pod like the crew can't give up dumb goals like mm-hmm. if you if you give up dumb goals in the playoffs you're gonna go home real quick. I think one of the, you know, really interesting matchups um, that could decide it is actually uh, in net 
between Patrick Schulte and Brad Guzan, yep. a guy who, uh, you know, I, I think Guzan's probably the only player that was on that MLS Cup winning team for Atlanta yeah, um, that is still there. Uh, uh, obviously, you know, loads of experience, including in the postseason, but Oldest also in big in games throughout. Um, but I personally believe is washed. Um, and uh, uh, Patrick Schulte, who, again, no MLS playoff experience, but he led a team to an MLS Next uh, uh, Cup last year, um, overcoming some adversity, some self-inflicted adversity, including um, in the uh, the final. Um, and I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup to watch because I think those are two guys that can really influence um, the trajectory of the series. And I think to, to, to that point, specifically with Schulte, I think the, the, the next pro final against St. Louis, obviously that was a huge mm-hmm. formative game for him, but I would go back and say the Toronto 2 mm-hmm. game in the semifinal where we had all that chaos in the yeah. final 10 minutes, I would almost go so far as to say, I think that what, if you were to ask him, he would probably look at that as being a more influential yeah. game in terms of his development and knowing how essentially had to get bounced back, right? Mm-hmm. After giving up something catastrophically yeah. stupid uh, and, and, and kind of getting back up off the mat and, and, and coming away and, and making some plays late. Uh, there, there's something to that, and everything that we've seen so far from those Crew 2 guys who have graduated now, the first mm-hmm. team, that regardless of the level of the games, the games mattered. The games are very, mm-hmm. that very obviously mattered. And so there's something to that as well that I think the pressure pack moments, even though they happen in MLS Next Pro, are still hugely positive for the guys that are going to see action here in the postseason. And the it's, crew. yeah, I was going to say it's not just him, right? You know, right. Sean Zawatsky was a part of that mm-hmm. team. Mo Farsi. I imagine we'll, we'll play some games, part right? in this, yeah. Um, even if it is off the bench, you know, I don't know how much we'll see of Jason Russell Rowe, but he, he, he certainly you could saw him the other day, by the way. Oh, nice. Which is bumping uh, into him randomly. The cool. I do want to say, when I say like the team that figures out defensively, that doesn't necessarily mean like the back line, right? Like, right. The crew's best defense is possession, and I think that's probably true for Atlanta as well. So you know, if you can just get control of these games you may be able to defend that way as yeah. opposed to, you know, batting down the hatches, so to speak, and, and whatnot. And I don't think, I know we don't need to look ahead to the second game yet, but I don't expect the crew to go to Atlanta and even if they win this first game, you know, play it tight. I mean, that just doesn't seem to be their MO. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be control probably winning the day defensively. And, you know, getting that first goal yeah, absolutely. is mm-hmm. everything in a game like this, I think, especially yeah. Yeah. for the crew, because mm-hmm. it, it, that's going to change Atlanta's outlook on this game one more than anything mm-hmm. else, I think. If we can get that first goal and, you know, look back at the season, we've given up that first goal mm-hmm. quite often and to inferior teams quite often. I do think it's positive that they just did give up the first goal yeah. in that last regular season game and came back and, like we talked about last mm-hmm. week, like put in a professional workmanlike performance in that game. So like, you know, it's there if, mm-hmm. if it does that, you hope it doesn't, but if it does happen, but I still think you look at, you know, the incentives in there, there for Atlanta, if they're able to get that first goal yeah. is to put everybody, you know, behind, um, they are strong in the counter. Um, and, and crew has been vulnerable to counters this year. And again, you know, if, if, if you're Atlanta and you're like, I can, I can, sneak by with, with a one, nothing win potentially, or a draw and just get to penalties. Right. With Diego Amada out on the road against the team that last time we were in this building, we lost 6-1. 
I'm I'm thrilled with that, and immediately I'm throwing everybody behind the ball and say, you know, let's make them, you know, beat us with some, you know, ridiculous individual effort or, you know, and and I think Crew has that ability, and I feel more comforted when you see displays like that late in the season that we did um, in their ability to come back, but it is still something that I'd be lying if I said I wasn't worried about it. Yeah. Well, I, I think for the most part, we know who our starting 11 will be. But if there were any mysteries that you're looking to have solved, what would they be? To me, it's that left center back, left wing mm-hmm. back. I think that's probably the only maybe, you know, Matan Ramirez. But I think Wilfred's kind of shown he's, he's going with mm-hmm. Matan. Maybe you play Ramirez to kind of muck things up on the road in the second yeah. game. Um, I will say that one of the two uh, or one of the two players that spoke on uh, the media availability was Malte Amundsen. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, could you play him at left wing back? Could you play him at left center back? I think that's the question. We just saw Sean Zawatsky play that left center back spot. I would probably go with Amundsen at left center back. Correct. And Yao at left yep. wing back. But that game in Atlanta Amundsen started at left wing back right. and really caused them issues, pushed Brooks Lennon. Now, you said we don't know where exactly he'll line up for Atlanta, but he kept him pretty pinned back. And not that Yao can't do mm-hmm. that, but it's obviously not Yao's natural position, even though he's grown into it. Not only that, you also had the best performance from Evan Jaberko yeah. in a Columbus crew uniform. Um, but I still think I, I think you've got to go with Malti at that center back position. I think the other just elements that he gives you attacking in that position. I mean, uh, 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 the way that he's able to play those diagonal balls and he's able to cut through the lines with those long balls, I think that, and and he's just been so consistent in there. Um, I think, you know, he also gives you a little bit of a luxury. So if Yao is struggling there in that first half, um, to deal with like a likes of Brooks Lennon that, okay, then maybe you can think, Mm, do we want to potentially bring in um, uh, Chiberko or do you want to bring in um, Zawadzki and push Malti out wide? But I think right now, um, I, and, and, and if I'm Wilfried Nancy, I want to dictate this. I want to put the team that I think is going to be able to score the most goals, create the most uh, offensive and attacking chances. And I think that is with Yaya Boa in there on the left side. I'll, I'll worry about, you know, the matchups um, when it becomes an issue. But right now at home, I want to dictate things. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Zawadzki multi kind of combo mm. where that no one's really sure who's playing wing back and left center back. But I think the... The big thing with that's what they did in Atlanta, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the big thing for me is that 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 straight ball bending run that where where he kind of gets in a half space when multi gets in half space and then hits that ball kind of mm-hmm. on the instep and it's really so, low and hard. Um, that's I think it's been to Yao the last couple times and they've yeah. gotten in behind and it's been really da- dangerous. That's a ball that I think is on against Atlanta a lot, and uh, especially because in a lot of ways. <clears throat> Excuse me. It doesn't matter a whole lot in terms of where how Atlanta is defending mid block, low block. However, however many guys are behind the ball, that ball is going to be on just simply the because of the amount of possession and the amount of times mm-hmm. that they switch the the field of play. That chances are you're going to have at the at the very least a two v two on that uh, opportunity there, and then if. You only have to get it right once, right? You can hit mm-hmm. that ball seven times. If you go one for seven, you create a good rate chance out of it. You get a score out of it. That's a that's a huge success, right? So, I think 
I would probably, as a betting person, I would probably say, yeah, we'll get the start. Are you allowed to bet on MLS yet? Not yet. Not yet. Another right. week. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so it's not uh, a betting Well, person. no, what is today? Today, we're uh, taping this Monday the 30th. So on uh, November 1, I'm allowed Ooh, to bet two on days. MLS. So, you yeah. is, the day of the game. Um, this is very sensitive to talk about me with about right now because of Sandra Tonali in Newcastle. Yep. We can't talk about betting on socks. So, yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> Just corners. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that's good. The uh, yeah, I, I, I bet I, I think Yao's going to be in there, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's a Zawadski mm. uh, multi kind of combo there, um, because I think they obviously really value Shawnee's kind of versatility. Mm. If I was Wilfred Nancy, it would be Yao in the home game, and then Zawadski mm. would play in the the away leg, which is technically not a leg anymore, uh, in Atlanta. That would be kind of how I would draw it up. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, Bart, I think you, you, you said it perfectly. You want to dictate this. For me, it's full send crew from the word go. Mm-hmm. You're not only trying to get the first goal, you're trying to get two by, like, the 30th yep. minute and basically have them punt on the rest <laughs> of the game. Yep. Be, and, and then at that point, you're probably pulling guys off at the 65th, 70th minute and trying to rest some guys up because of the Atlanta turf mm-hmm. as well. So um, I think it that that – you know, kind of game plan or mindset lends itself to maybe a little bit of chaos as well. But like, mm, yeah, that's... yeah, but like the pedal's going to be on the floor from that, basically from the kickoff. And I, and I think when the crew have done that and played like that, I, we've seen them score goals mm. in the, multiple goals in the first half. Well, I think we just need to, this team more than maybe any other club in the playoffs just has to play the way they've been playing that's, and not overthink it. Your, if they play to their mean or their average, they're winning this game, period. We've seen it. We've seen it. What have we seen of these playoffs that have surprised us? It's tough because, again, best of three. But anything uh, other than St. Louis getting clobbered by their in-state rival last night, anything else jump up? That, uh, that Sporting Kansas note? City, they are in Kansas, right? They're not. Oh. I, I'm mm-hmm. just kidding. They're, they across they're the technically K-States. K- K- yeah. They, uh, I think yeah. they would list, They would claim Missouri, but right. at least at times in their, in their the history. The stadium is technically in Kansas. Is, okay. I couldn't Children's remember. Mercy Park, the, Children's Mercy Park is in Kansas. Okay. I couldn't remember if that – I knew that the, when they played in the baseball stadium that that was in Kansas. Correct. Um, no, the baseball stadium's in Missouri. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. But what it's not for long, potentially. I, well, only, I only lived there for 10 years, yeah. so. The um, – yeah, I think for me it's one since he looks the part. Um, it was a typical Cincy game. Yeah. Expected goals of one. They win three nothing on three <laughs> shots on target and have a guy shot, punch a guy and doesn't get a card. Every shot goes in. Yeah, they, how did, how did they that get, happen? They get a funky deflection that the ball falls to Lucho Acosta and he's got mm. a wide open net from fifty yards out and hits the back of the net on the fly. Like just crazy crap that can, can kind of continues. Uh, to go their way. I kind of don't understand the good karma that since he's built up that, that they seem to be getting right now. I don't mm-hmm. really understand how that reflexive kind of property of the way that we expect karma to kind of operate has kind of swung in their direction. Um, they're, they're giving us the 2022 Austin FC right now, and it's but they looked really, really good. And Austin made uh, it to the conference final. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can... Yeah. You Which can is and luck your way a little and bit. And honestly, mm-hmm. kind of got a little bit unlucky in that conference mm-hmm. final too. Uh, LAFC looks 
freaking good. Um, yes. Five two win over Vancouver. Yeah, at home. and like and and it looked like they were in like second gear the whole time. Um, a couple of set piece goals um, in that one. Revs are done. Stick a fork in them. Three one loss to Philadelphia. That was a that was a that was a T bone that you put on the on the grill and forgot about it for fifteen minutes. That thing is like cardboard right now. Everybody's booked their vacations already, <laughs> uh, and they're all wondering kind of how the whole thing fell apart. Um, I know you mentioned somebody bad. mentioned Houston last week as being. There's a team something to watch in the water for. down there. I said it a couple of weeks ago that that that. If they're of, of of the whole thing in terms of the big playoff mm-hmm. landscape, right? MLS at a at a kind of an all twenty two ten thousand foot view. There's something about the juju in Houston right now. I referenced it back in August that it just felt like something was a little bit brewing there. Speaking of good karma, maybe reflexive mm-hmm. karma, finally getting down there after you know kind of a the, the, to quote wedding crashers, a lot of stepping on their head while they're drowning. Um, <laughs> And and they showed it once again. Um, the the all the entire Houston Astros team was at that game, which oh. I don't know if that's good karma yeah, or bad karma. Good? But like once again, you know, Houston mm-hmm. seems to be making something happen. Love to see Artie out there playing well. Um, and, and, you know, yeah. kind of diet crew that we have in Houston right yeah. now a little yeah. bit. Well, it's just Texas in general. Well, that's a very good mm-hmm. point. Um, but yeah, it's and then SKC man. Yeah, that was impressive. If you look at, I can't claim credit for this. This is Matt Doyle um, from from MLSSoccer.com. Uh, I think said something along the lines of their record against like playoff teams was actually pretty good. They played down to competition a lot this year, and they had a lot of uh, they had they created a lot of chances where the ball didn't go in the back of the net. But there's also something about Pete, Pete Peter Vermees, come postseason and. The, the big a, A-hole energy that he kind of exudes when it comes to the postseason that his teams have a tendency to embody and personify. Whether we like it or not, and I think it's okay to not like it, but there's something to that as well. And that Daniel Saloy, fully healthy, him coming back, um, Polito kind of giving them a little bit of a boost as well. Um, that looked really good against a team that that saw some of the bright lights and like, and then at halftime like you know like like if you read a St. Louis Cardinals fan when they announced that there's fifty thousand people in the stands and there is absolutely not Whoa. most of the St. Louis fans left at halftime and there was wow. a lot wow. of empty seats or fans dressed as empty seats in that game after that fourth goal. Bart and I are gonna fi- or Brett and I are gonna fight. Uh, Catch and real, fly. Real Catch quick, it's here. funny you said that about Vermes because we were watching that game last night. And uh, my girlfriend Sarah was like, "Guy kind of looks like a dick." Oh my! <laughs> like, yeah, he does. They're, I was like, "He's a really good coach." The though. greatest. There, there are two great gifs, gifts in the history of MLS, and they are both both of them. And I, I would I would say they're one B in the order of those two uh, are kind of at your discretion. Gif number one is Caleb Porter giving a big old fu after a goal goes into Bruce Arena, who is, by the way, supposedly Caleb's best friend in MLS. And then the other one is Pete Vermees looking towards, I believe, the fourth official. I'm not sure exactly the history of this. If he's talking to the fourth or maybe someone else from the other, other bench and he's saying, F off, F off, F off. Two of the best GIFs, GIFs in MLS history, and they both belong to two of the great, two of the great quote-unquote villains, and I'm air-quoting villains, uh, in MLS history. I think it's fascinating as we talk about how, like, look at those scores. Those are not playoff scores, right? No. 
funky, right? But What's, also, but also that it translates to it makes no difference. Nothing. It's still a win. It's like a win. Like even when we come to predictions at the end, I think it should just be win or loss, not a score prediction because it doesn't matter. It's a one nothing that, win. I saw right, it, and I, and I think the fans. But will Josh Williams score? <laughs> feel the same way. It's like okay, whatever. We lost this game. Move on to the next one. And, and I think that's really interesting. Like we're gonna have to wrap our head around this in this series. We being MLS fans, not we necessarily being crew fans, but like. Let's say worst case scenario happens on Wednesday night and Atlanta comes in and wins 3 nothing. Like the series isn't over, you know. We know the crew isn't great on the road, but you just need to go down there and get something. You know, it doesn't matter what the score is. Like the next game is a different game. It, there's no aggregate. And I think you as soccer fans, we don't, you know, unless you're also fans of the MLB or the NBA or the NHL to take a page out of Ryan Day's book. You want to go one and zero. Yeah, you want to. Yeah, you want to win the day. Uh, but I just, I think that's something to keep in mind. If things go wrong for the crew, that won't affect the next game. Uh, my, you know. The favorite, my favorite tweet that I saw over the whole entire weekend was from some random person. I and I, my apologies for not remembering their tag, but it said the the 2023 Audi MLS Cup playoffs, 2023 to 2023. <laughs> uh, because I, this is a first and last for me. There's no way that they continue this next year, even though the best player in the entire world plays in Major League Soccer. I, I think that that'll probably be it. Like, Leo Messi be like, okay, first of all, playoffs, what is this? But I guess I can kind of get on board. I'm familiar with tournaments. Yeah. But what the hell is this? No. Look for um, it to go back to two-game aggregates. Yep. Yes. I bet Messi, I know Messi understands those ones. Yes, exactly. Well, uh, I know you wanted to talk about postseason awards, Bart. You want to do that first and we'll make our picks and get on out of here? Um, uh, yeah, and I, I mean, I, I think that's just one of the, you know, the, the postseason awards um, came out, the finalists uh, uh, earlier this week. I think... Uh, Three finalists for crew, um, uh, uh, manager of the year, um, uh, uh, Darlington for the uh, kind of I don't remember the the exact name of the award. It's it's basically for um, his, his work within the community. Being a good dude. Um, yeah, exactly. Humanitarian. Yeah, is that what yeah, it is? yeah the humanitarian of the year. Um, and actually, I don't I don't recall. And then Aiden Morris, what young player of the year, right? Yeah. Uh, is, by the way, Darlington is the Audi Goals Drive Progress Impact Award. By the oh, way, yeah, I didn't yeah. make that up. That's a quote. There you um, go. Direct from the MLS um, MLS.com website. There are approximately twenty some guys on that list. Yeah, and and, and they, they they had and I guess you know one of the things there one of the conversations I saw um, online. Uh, was around Alexander Matan um, and his uh, 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 omission among the uh, uh, finalists for Comeback Player of the Year in MLS. Um, and uh, uh, in, in my understanding, at least from this, um, is that, uh, 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 again, teams have the chance to submit players. Um, and, and it didn't look like, from, from when I looked at the list, that crew submitted him for it. I think, I think there's an argument that crew like look anybody people inner miami submitted lionel messi for mvp um i think it's one of those you you gotta every single <laughs> thing you gotta shoot so. your you know shoot your shot with all of them. i think he's a finalist too for newcomer of the year despite playing what four mls games yeah, four. <laughs> um uh a finalist and i think that is pretty embarrassing for the league 
Um, but but uh, I, I think there's you know debate around Matan. I think certainly. I think literally, you know, he actually does. I think historically in, in the spirit of a comeback player of the year, that's usually, you know, for uh, uh, somebody who's injured um, the previous year and, and came back. Um, but Matan literally came back to Columbus after being exiled to another continent, back to Romania, and, and, and put up incredible numbers. So I think it is malpractice on Cruz's part to not have at least submitted him for that leave it to the whoever it is that ultimately selects the finalists to say no it it, it is uh, there are other players who came back from season ending injuries you know that are more deserving but um i i want to just kind of put crew on blast for keeping him out of that i was sh- i actually when i looked at the list and didn't see his name on it i mm-hmm. thought i had the wrong year i yep. literally backed out of it and like made sure it was 2023 because I thought I was maybe looking at the 2022 list. I was really surprised to not see yeah. him on the list. Um, I, you know, I, I think I think we all kind of know who's probably winning MVP. Uh, we all probably know who's winning Coach of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, who do you think's winning Coach of the Year? I think it should be Pat Noonan for FC okay. Cincinnati. I wouldn't be shocked if they get it to the guy from Cincinnati, Dom Dom. Um, I'm, I'm St. Louis. Yeah, the, yeah. I, 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 did I say the wrong name? You said Cincinnati. Sorry, uh, the St. Louis co- head Wilfried coach. Wilfried is a finalist. Yeah, and, and then obviously Nancy's a finalist as well. I think Pat's probably a runaway for that one, but who, who can really say? Yeah, I mean it's definitely um, a yeah, that's been impressive there. But, but I, and I think in the same way, I think Lucio Acosta is probably a runaway MVP. Mm. But you know, crazier things have happened. Maybe Leo Messi. You know, it, does, <laughs> does it invalidate a Ballon d'Or if yeah. you don't win the MVP of the league in which you play? In? I think. I you think know, it's people fair. are saying. Many mm. many people are saying. Um, that you know the haters and losers, losers of whom there are many, mm-hmm. are saying that it would invalidate uh, <laughs> a Ballon d'Or. Um, but I was shocked to see Matan uh, not on that list because I think um, the <laughs> the banishment or exile in which he experienced in 2022 uh, would have broken lesser men and lesser players mm. and. Um, Bigger men, also. Well, the, the, <laughs> and, physically, and, and, to, and, and to be fair to him, there are many, many men who are bigger. <laughs> yeah. uh, the um, I, I think it's a it's a credit to him that not only did he bounce back in the way that he did by coming mm-hmm. back and just contributing, but he did that twenty x than I think relative to yeah. our expectations. So he should be on the list, and I and I was a little bit disappointed to not see him. Mm-hmm. The comeback player of the year award will always be tainted for me because. Troy Dyack won it over Brian Mazenoff in 2001 and both came back from pretty serious injuries but Brian had been hurt like multiple years and had his really his best season in MLS that year and I mm. I will always be angry about that so uh, so I don't care about that award I don't I don't even count it as a real <laughs> it's award It's not legitimate yeah, so right. now add Matan to the list of people that should have mm-hmm. been involved in Fair enough. Well, let's make our picks for game one, and we'll reconvene next uh, Monday and talk about game one, get ready for game two. Oh, wait, that's on a Monday. We'll figure it out. It's uh, record from the game. Game two is week from tonight, right? Yes. Yep. All right. That's so weird. Live pods. I head around the schedule. Oh, we'll figure it out. Let's make our picks here. Uh, Beer number three by the second half could get real interesting. Uh, am I going first? Yes. Okay, sweet. So I'm kind of thinking that this is like full on chaos a little bit. I, 
I would love to see a steady professional goal in each half, 2-0 moonwalk from the crew. But there's just something about it that doesn't feel like that to me. I don't really know. I feel like for the most part, I've, I've been relatively on the pulse of how results have gone throughout the year. And there's just something about this game that just doesn't quite feel squared away to me. I'm thinking 3-2 crew in like one of the more chaotic games that we've ever seen at Lower.com feel. Okay. It's a win, but I think it's like one of those things where like the crew go up 3-0 and then like give up two goals late and then we're like in, we're an anxious Ohio sports fan mess for the last like 15 minutes kind of thing. 3-2 crew uh, w- with a victory and I think Kucho stays hot with at least one goal. Murph? Uh, I'm in similar thinking to Brett. I think it's going to be – I think this whole series is going to be crazy. I'd love to be wrong, by the way. Yeah. Please prove me wrong. Yeah, sure. But, I, 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 again, I think very similarly. I'm going to go 4-2 crew. Um, I think it, uh, Bart is unhappy with that score for some reason. I just think, like, this could be a back-and-forth, like, 2-2 at halftime game. Yeah. And the crew, you know, behind the strength of the Nordic, if they'd ever play that way in the second mm-hmm. half. Um, you know, get get the win, but like Brett said, I, it'd be great if they could just go out and, similar to Montreal, just kind of handle their business and not make it uh, crazy. But I think it'll at least be an entertain another entertaining game in these playoffs. Sam, um, obviously I'm going to pick a crew win because that's really all that matters. But if I have to pick a score, I'm going to go three one crew. Bart. I'm going with, uh, I'll, I'll just stick what I was going with the whole time, 4-2 um, crew, because I do think... Um, all I, four I actually, by Josh? Uh, yeah, all, all of them, but no, no. Here, and here one we go, by here Kev, we go. Three by Josh and one by <laughs> Kevin Molina. No, uh, but but I do think, I, I think, you know, similar to sort of Brett's thoughts, I think crew do find themselves up, and then, as we've seen, and, and that was one of it, the, you know, the, it was an intrusive thought that came to me when you mentioned Brett you know if a team has something in hand I could see them start making you know crew start making subs in the 65th minute and then just like every all the trauma just came back to me um, uh, and this team struggles to close games out especially after subbing off guys um, and, and, and bringing on other guys uh, like Kevin Molino and others. Um, so I see, you know, crew uh, conceding a couple goals after, you know, going up three, nothing. Um, and then uh, uh, with Atlanta pushing crew able to catch them. Um, and it will be a Josh Williams substituted in as the defensive substitution, making his first appearance of the season wow. and the, uh, the dagger to assure the win. You, when you said Kevin Molino goal, you meant Kevin Molino own goal, right? Absolutely not. Mark, right. mark my words, people. All right. He's going to make an impact, and I think he's going to make a. Po- you need to, yeah. He's going to make a positive impact in this postseason because I think the qual- the quality that he possesses is is just too good. There's no way it can the the the, the negative run of form that he currently possesses can continue. I've there is never a way, wanted. But- you There's to no be way. right more about anything in my life. I'd love life. to hear that. <laughs> well, you, get, you guys forget that when Sherman marched, that was a home game for Atlanta. We know how that turned <laughs> out. <laughs> so uh, I don't I give them any hope the on the road. Crew 4-1. That's how love I it. see it. Which, again, doesn't matter. Might Is it coming as... back to Columbus for game three? We don't need to pick game two, but in case we can't be here. 
You think it's coming back? Yes. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I think these teams are too too close. Uh, but I do think the crew get through. I'm gonna go no because I think I think the crew's recent success over the last handful of years in Atlanta. I think that's actually a pretty cozy place I to play agree. for the crew. I, I, right. I think I think they take care of business in the in the first leg, and then I think they they just kind of cruise in the second and 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 really make it difficult. I know I know we're not you know picking scores for it, but I'm, I'm seeing that second game going into penalties and. So uh, I don't know who it does. I don't know who uh, who takes the Adam John say, uh, crown Russell mantle, Rowe. but yes, Jason, Jason Russell, Russell Rowe. Rowe. Also, I'm really hoping that it doesn't Kevin go. Molina. Kevin Molina. Oh, there you go. I'm really hoping it does not go to Game Three because I'm flying back from New York that Monday. What day is Game Luckily, Three? Monday. So Another it's Monday. Goes, so yeah, Wednesday, oh, Monday, oh, Monday. No, I don't think that's right. We need to consult with the league no. in terms of scheduling. I thought it, it was is. Wednesday, like Sunday. Was again, this all based off of Atlanta's here. field availability All I know because is they that play in an NFL stadium? Yeah, probably. All, I know, already been announced. all I know is that game three is Monday the 13th. Right. Mm. I'm pulling so it up. It's supremely stupid. It's a long time from now. It's not even November yet. Um, it is the 1st, the 7th, and the 12th. It doesn't list days here, so... If you have a calendar, the twelfth is the third game. So the, the first is Wednesday, obviously, is a Tuesday. So we will be able to record. You're looking at March. By I the am way. looking at March. So this is a vis- this is an audio medium. Uh-huh. It's the same thing though. Okay. Uh, and the twelfth is uh, Sunday. So you will not be back. All right. Well, we'll figure it all out. No. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, we'll figure it all out. Thanks to Saucy Brewers for having us. I see you guys enjoyed some sort of pumpkin spice thing going on here. really good. Yeah, it was delicious. I don't know about the spice part, but it's definitely pumpkin-y. Okay, well, it looks like you all enjoyed it. You're all clean glassers, if that's a a word. It is now. Like and subscribe to the Massport Podcast. Listen to my radio station, CD92.9. I'd appreciate it for Bart, for Brett, for Murph, for Sam. I'm Brian. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week on the Massport Podcast. (laughs) 